Again, in football, it's a very, 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 very rare occurrence. Um, the other things that come to mind is whether he had other cardiac issues or health issues underlying it that might have, on top of it, triggered it. Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. From iPhones to MacBooks to Apple TV to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more, now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Visit Opulent Inventory on opulentinventory.com and on Instagram. My guy Nash and Gardy are the very best in the game to provide you the Apple product of your dreams. Now, let's get back to the show. Brother, all is well. Everything's going good. Everything's kosher, man. How's everything down south? No, not really, man. It's, it's actually it hasn't been as bad as it was in December. 2023 has been very, so it's been moderate cold, but it's been football type weather. So I'm used to it. Oh yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was bad. It was bad, man. It was um, it was. Oh, you know what? The, my favorite part about hearing the recap of it this morning. Was listening to Keyshawn Johnson talk about when he talking about the lesson that he gave his son, when uh when uh when Georgia was up ten to seven and TCU had uh, hit that bomb and scored that touchdown to make it ten to seven, and his son his son he said his son felt like oh yeah see TCU has a shot, and then he scored and right right then and there and told him son, this isn't what you think it is and what happened they scored twenty eight straight points and all before you know it it's thirty eight to seven then fifty two to seven and it was it was one of those complete complete beatdowns we sacrificed the the final four matchups we sacrificed elite competition in the final four for a beatdown like this we 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 love the you know the upsets when it comes to final four uh you know tcu beating michigan and things of that nature when you have situations like that and um you know you have a, a, a situation like that where you have an upset in the final four you have a situation where there's a high possibility for a beatdown in that championship game based on who is already in there. And that's what you saw with Georgia. Georgia was light years, levels above uh, TCU in that moment, um, part, partially because they're used to that championship air. There was no letdown. There was no moment to, you know, have to uh, recover from um, you know, overlaps and stuff like that or, or just nerves early on. They've been there before. So I just saw a complete beatdown from Georgia. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. I mean, that I, that was just, again, like I mentioned before, uh, talent mismatch, domination mismatch. They bullied them. They overpowered them. Offensive line was was excellent. You, you saw Stetson Bennett, who all of a sudden now is has become a household name. Like, he, this is a guy who was a walk-on that he didn't even think he had a chance to even be here, waited for his time, and they couldn't even touch him last night. He was flawless defensive line max duggan had no chance this is a guy that went to new york mike as a heisman finalist he had no chance in that pocket yesterday they got beat down they they just got beat down in all phases special teams defense offense 
This is a Georgia team in their last two games against LSU and Ohio State. That defense gave up about almost a thousand yards passing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and coming into this national championship, you would have thought that, hey, like, you know, this is a team that, you know, TCU high powered offense. They're they're excellent. They're aerated. Max Duggan and those receivers, you thought that they could make some noise in that secondary. That was not the case, Mike. I I and you know what's crazy? I felt like the championship game for Georgia w- was against Ohio State in that in, in, in New Year's Eve. Right. When they realized that they won a game that they weren't supposed to win, Kirby Smart, their head coach, going back and getting those guys fired up, getting ready for the national championship game and telling them, fellas, you're not as good as you think you are. You shouldn't even be here. Throwing against the air and Ohio State against them. And and for them to escape that, Mike, use that as fuel and use that to really beat down TCU and Hollywood, not being able to have any distractions with LA or nothing. And you're talking about teenagers. Yeah, that, that was impressive, Mike. That, that, that was impressive. We might be starting to think that this might be the new dynastical team, this dynastical era of college football. It, it might just be Georgia, Mike. Oh, yeah, it has to be. Back-to-back champions, the competition that they've been in, uh, the where they've been over the years. Uh, they, they're battle-tested. They're a team that's been on the, on, on the rise over years, and then now you're starting to see the fruition of all the, the, the fruition everything come to play of everything that they have. So hats off to Georgia, their whole um, uh, organization, the whole team for back-to-back championships, and uh, this is this is the start of something new. More and more, more, and more players are going to attract the, the Georgia area. Who doesn't want to? Be in that, be in that area anyway, down there in Georgia. So, playing and playing in the dome and things of that nature. So it's gonna be, it's gonna be dope. It's gonna be um, easy for them to uh, attract more recruits and things of that nature. So, uh, Georgia, Georgia is only gonna get better from here. Yeah, definitely, definitely there as well. Who would have thought one of Nick Saban's, you know, successors would go to Georgia and create this? Mike, we, we didn't expect this. They they built this. And oh, by the way, Mike, they have the number one recruiting class next year. Good luck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be awfully tough uh, uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs who are barking at college football now as the standard in Division One football. No doubt about that. From the collegiate game, we go quickly here to the NFL, Mike. We know it is set. The NFL football playoffs are here. Super wild card weekend gets us started. 4.30, you got Jacksonville hosting uh, Justin Herbert, I'm excited about this matchup, Mike. Two debuts for two excellent quarterbacks that I think is going to be here for the next decade, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. And then after that, uh, we're going to have an opportunity um, to have uh, the, your New York football giants against the Vikings. I know you're excited about that. A couple weeks ago, they, they lost a three-point game mm-hmm. in, in Minnesota. So I know they played very well against that. They're probably looking for some rematch and maybe clean up some things. And who knows? They might steal that game this time around in Minneapolis. You got the Bengals and and, and the Ravens. That's going to be for the third time. Maybe Lamar Jackson plays. Um, you know, they both of these teams split in the AFC North rivals. We'll see if the third time, whoever wins the rubber match. You got Tom Brady and the Buccaneers against Dak and the the Cowboys. It's 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 going to be fun, Mike. I'm, I'm excited about Super Wild Card Weekend. Buffalo against the Dolphins. The 49ers on a 10-game winning streak. They got to play Seattle. It, it, it's 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 going to be exciting stuff, Mike. 
It's going to be exciting stuff. But I want to know what intriguing matchups that you've got your eye on and what you're keeping in close eye on. I definitely have those eye on the Giants Vikings. I obviously want to rematch of that game. I feel like we played very well against them a couple of weeks ago. There was a few plays we didn't make in the fourth quarter that really could have helped us win that game. Obviously, the the two touchdowns that they scored in the fourth on third down, down in the red zone after playing good defense, we we couldn't get off the field. That block punt really hurt us. Uh, but I I do believe that that was one of Daniel Jones' best game of not only this season but of his career. That he that he that he played in that game. He was poised. He was calm, collected. He really let the game come to him, and he didn't force anything. Saquon played pretty pretty good as well. So I believe Jones goes into that building with a, a lot of confidence, uh, and I believe our team goes in there with a lot of confidence as well. And I like the way our defense is playing. Getting some players in the secondary back. McKinney has come back over the last few weeks. Um, you know, guys like that, Tony Jefferson, he's been a great addition to us. So that veteran presence in the secondary for us, we know what big Dexter Lawrence, I'm expecting a big uh, playoff game from him and down in the trenches with Leonard, Leonard Williams and those guys. So I'm just looking forward to seeing those, seeing uh, us come back. And I'm not going to lie to you, Sebby, I just really, really quickly on my New York football giants. I know we lost against Philly. Played them tough. But we played them very tough with, with our second, second, our second and third group. Yeah. On both sides of the ball. And I believe there's something to be said about that energy, even though our main guys were on the sideline. I do believe even even the guys in the second and third group showed that we are we're in playoff mode and we're ready to go. And I believe that touchdown from Kenny Galladay may have sprung some confidence in him. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Kenny Galladay sighting in the playoffs, potentially against the Vikings. That that could potentially pose some mismatches for us against their young secondary. So I who knows, man? Maybe that could have gave him some confidence going into this game. I, I don't know if they're, they're going to bring him out or not, but I'm looking forward to that. Also, the Cowboys and Buccaneers game, I'm looking forward to that game as well because is Dak Prescott and this Dallas Cowboys, is he going to be – is Dak Prescott – I want to know, is the headline on Tuesday going to be, is Dak Prescott responsible for potentially retiring Tom Brady? I want to know if that's going to be the biggest kicker that weekend and, 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 um, and, and as far as that matchup is concerned. So – uh, those are those are two matchups that I'm highly intrigued, and I believe the Chargers are on upset alert. I believe the fact that they have the better record, but because they, they they're going against Jacksonville, who won their division, having to go across the country to Florida, and having to go on the road, I do believe there's a situation where they are on upset alert. I do believe I wouldn't pick them to lose the game, but I, that you know how I feel about West Coast teams coming to the East Coast, Sevy, and I believe in Jacksonville, um, riding high with nothing nothing to lose. Uh, you got the Chargers coming in, coming in, very solid team. But um, Justin Herbert, we've never seen him in the playoffs before. It's a lot of question marks. I do believe there's a situation where uh, the Chargers could potentially be on upset alert. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely sure. That's a toss-up game, Mike. Um, that's really a, a, a toss-up game. I think it's 50-50 in that matchup. That's going to be fun to watch. I, I think that's going to be primetime Sunday night football. We'll see if Trevor Lawrence and these young Jaguars are ready for that. I like the the Chargers. I just think that uh, personally for me, I think it's going to be a close game, but I like uh, the Chargers. I like the way that they ended the season. Um, Keenan Allen started getting healthy. They're supposed to get Joey Bosa back to go with Khalil Mack as their mm -hmm. closers. I like that. I like that pairing to go against a young team in Jacksonville who, I mean, both teams haven't really had playoff experience, but I I, I trust the Chargers in, in those moments just because of those closers, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. I think that the Jaguars are going to have to deal with that. Even though Trevor Lawrence has been dynamite, he's 15 and one, like 15, 15 touchdowns, one interception in his last eight games. So he's the reason why Jacksonville is even here. 
I like Jack. I, I just like the Chargers in that matchup. But I will say this. I think the Bengals are are, are in upset alert. That's my pick. I, I think the Ravens, it's something to say. I When you play a team three times, Mike, you know, the, 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 I always believe the underdog always has the advantage, right? And these, both of these teams split. And even without Lamar Jackson the other day, this team played the, the Bengals really tough. And, you know, I'm not going to pick against them with Jamar Chase and Burrow and the way that they've been flying high. But Lamar Jackson is set to come back. And the Ravens play a style of football come playoff time that, is set up for success for January style football. They can run the football in cold weather games. I've always liked teams that can run the football in cold weather games. And you can't tell me a better running team than the Baltimore Ravens. You got to deal with Lamar Jackson. That's the first head. You got to deal with J.K. Dobbins. You got to deal with um, uh, Patricia, the the fullback that they've got. And then Mark Andrews. It's a lot that you have to deal with. They, they run this nine-technique offense where you've got to be able to not get out of your discipline and your run gaps, and and you got to be able to be disciplined, and it's it's going to be a lot. I, I think this is going to be closer than what people think. If people just think that Bengals are going to come here and fly by the Ravens, this is not what the Ravens are about. Uh, their their whole mystique has been play like a Raven under John Harbaugh, and I think that that's the game to me that's going to be really close. I think the Cowboys and Buccaneers are going to be close too, but I, I think the Bengals are on upset alert here, especially if Lamar Jackson comes back in the playoffs. I know I've seen him do some special team things, Mike. I, I think that that's the game. Maybe the Bengals can't get carried away and get cocky in themselves when in the AFC North, thinking that they can make another Super Bowl run and over overlooking the Ravens. I think that's the game that we need to keep an eye on. Yeah, no, I, I had no idea that Lamar Jackson was coming back. I thought it was a done deal. That I didn't, I didn't even know it was a conversation. But the fact that he is potentially coming back—if if he does come back—oh, they're absolutely on uh, upset alert because you're getting a because you're getting a, a a healthy Lamar in a situation where the 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 Ravens aren't a bad squad. They they're just missing that franchise guy. They still have the pieces around them to be successful and to make make unnecessary run. They just have to stop beating themselves. Mm-hmm. But, but the Ravens definitely have a shot to, to, to win that game against the Bengals. Hell, I'm, I'm almost uh, going to go as far as to say I might pick the Ravens to win that game if Lamar comes back because um, that's that's just a, a that's a very good matchup on their on their part. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. Yep, definitely going to be interesting there to do. That's also Sunday Night Football on Sunday. There is well lots of things to talk about before we wrap this up man quickly we got to show some love to the lions man this is a team that not even supposed to be here mike they were three and 13 last year dan campbell decided to he wanted this job second season they big turnaround they're nine and eight mike i mean they've got playmakers everywhere i believe they've got the second best offensive line in football behind the eagles that you can't i was watching that game with the the, the packers they didn't lay a finger on jared goff I mean, that, that offensive line is unbelievable. They create holes for their two-headed monster with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Mm-hmm. They might have the the they might have one of the best one-two punch running backs in the NFL behind Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, or maybe Pollard and Zeke. Like they they're as good as those guys, Mike. I mean, that offensive line is unbelievable. And then you're starting to see Armin Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams, the Alabama standout from last year, who was hurt this year as a rookie. 
it's not it's not far fetched to say, Mike, the Lions may win the NFC North next year. They they've had a successful year, and and I gotta give some some respect to them, uh, knocking out the chances for Aaron Rodgers to be in the playoffs. And who's who knows, man, if this is his last hurrah in Green Bay. So I, I just had to show some love to the to the Lions there, um, a team that doesn't even get a lot of nationally televised TV. But knowing that that was a win and go home situation, the NFL flexed that game for them to be on Sunday night football and they showed out. I, I got to show love to the Lions. That's a team that takes the personality of their head coach. Yeah. Uh, hats off to the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions are special. Um, you, you're seeing a paradigm shift from for, for what Jared Goff is bringing to the table, for what Jamal Williams. Hats off to Jamal Williams. For his his stellar season, we saw the energy and the passion that he brought to the team in hard knocks over the uh, summertime. And then you see him spill out and bring that energy to the field. 17 rushing touchdowns, a special season for him. Um, Passing Barry Sanders. He's fun. You spoke about that offensive line. You're right. Ever since they've gotten Panay Sewell, you've seen this 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 O-line continue to get better and better and better and, and take on that challenge. Also, defensively, uh, their future is bright when you have a guy like Aiden Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. You use someone like him to be able to flex out uh, sometimes, to be able to fool the defenses, um, to be able to that, you know, the, the obviously safety, rush the, the young passer. safety, Mike, the rookie, Joseph. Yes, well. the rookie Joseph as well. They, they, got, they got three times this year, Mike. Yep. Yeah. They, they got some ball players, man. They got some ball players on this team, and, and they're led by uh, Dan Campbell. Dan, they love playing for him. You could tell he's up and coming. This team is up and coming. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing the, uh, the additions that they bring to the team next year and what they do to improve. But, man, Detroit uh, Detroit has to feel good about the direction that their team is headed. Yeah, no doubt about that. Jeff Okuda from Ohio State, third overall pick a couple years ago. Uh, they've got they've got some ballers. They've got some ballers on that team there as well. Uh, Motown football might just be back in Detroit, no doubt about that. But that wraps up segment one of our great show. When we come back, None other than Dr. Daniels. Next, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show, live and streaming here on WNIC Radio. back here on our second segment here on the show today opulent inventory our proud partners here on the show from apple watches to trade-ins to iphones and macbooks apple tv and much more opulent inventory 20 percent off gives you the apple product of your dreams nash and guardy are the very best in the game opulent inventory our proud partners here on the show our second guest our featured guest today is mr dr daniels um, who is a none other than one of the most prominent plastic surgeons in the country. We're pleased to have you, doctor, and, and none other better time than, obviously, the, the for- unforeseen circumstances that happened a few days ago uh, with um, the young man from the Buffalo Bills, the safety, Damar Hamlin. I, I, before we get into your story and how you came on to your profession, I, I just wanted to know where were you when the news broke out of what happened to that 24-year-old young man um, that, that potentially, you know, 
even CPR can help them. I, I just want to know what was your initial thoughts when you saw about that? Uh, my initial thoughts were, you know, that he had had some sort of cardiac event and hoping that they had a defibrillator nearby to shock him so that hopefully if it was a, a sudden arrhythmia, he would come out of it right away. Um, it was quite shocking and stunning to see such a thing during a game. As you know, these things don't really happen frequently. It's it's really more, you would see them occasionally in baseball with a high velocity, you know, ball to the chest, but not from a, not from a helmet into the chest through padding. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely there for sure. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Like, um, wh- what do you think that happened? Was, was it because of the friction of the hit or, or, or maybe because of the impact impacted that? Like, how, how, how did that come apart? Because I've seen them. I was watching that game live Monday night. I, I saw him get up and then three seconds later, he just collapsed. Like, it, it was it was just gruesome to watch. What, what was what, how, how do these things process in just milliseconds? It's 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 it, it's really getting if it's from an arrhythmia, it really is just getting hit at the at the unfortunately, we're going to phrase it as wrong time. Um, it just takes that fraction of a millisecond at the wrong time with enough force to cause the heart to have that electrical interruption and it can happen. It's, it's horrible. Um, but again, in football, it's a very, 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 very rare occurrence. Um, the other things that come to mind is whether he had other cardiac issues or health issues underlying it that might have, on top of it, triggered it. Yeah, definitely there. Um, just hoping the best for him. We know yes. he's definitely been uh, discharged in the hospital. So our prayers go out to uh, the family of, um, you know, uh, DeMar Hamlin and also the entire Bills Mafia community as they, you know, start their postseason run. But I, I want to share your story, uh, Doctor. How-, how did you come into this? We know, obviously, that um, you've-, you've got a great background, um, talk to us about what led you to being the plastic surgeon that you are today. Well, I mean, I think it all starts from the beginning when I was, uh, still in, uh, early on in medical school, I started very young. I was introduced to a family friend who was a, a surgeon. And at that time I, I had no actual interest in surgery. Uh, surgeons generally were looked on as, uh, not nice people, uh, very gruff, short-tempered, and so it wasn't my my thing initially. And I was introduced to this family friend who was very open. He said, oh, come to my office, see what I do, and went to his office. It was just one of the most amazing days I had spent there. Um, he taught me how to scrub, and it happened to be that he was a plastic surgeon, and I had so much fun that I actually for a while started skipping class and going to his office uh pretty much weekly <laughs> for about a year um and he took me under his wing and it just went from there no no doubt about that go ahead mike yeah, yeah dr dr daniels talk to me man uh, when you when you initially saw the, the um the demahan situation um what what was your initial expectation of when he could potentially like when he could potentially get back to normal. Do you see a scenario where you see him 
uh, being able to play again, or is this a scenario where he he might have to sit out for a while to recover? Well, I think he might have to sit out for a little while, but again, the the actual problem is, and again, we may never know. They may never let it out. What was the actual cause? Okay. And did he, in that time that he was out, did he suffer more cardiac injury? So he was out for nine minutes that, that we know of on the field before they even took him off by ambulance. Um so it's not just had he recovered immediately, I could see him going back quicker if they could work out what the cause of that are, of, you know, whether he had some underlying problem or not. If he didn't have an underlying issue, easier, quicker recovery goes back quicker. But until they until they ascertain why it happened to him, how could you go? You know, it's it's not a fair question to ask at this time, really. We need to wait. See what the doctors find. Is he on medications? Maybe a medication that he was on plus the hit triggered it. Anything is possible. Okay. Yeah, no doubt about that. I, I, I just to piggyback on that. Um, it was noted that CPR wasn't being responsive for him as well. Um, what, what could be this cause? Because you know, uh, when you we hear that you know the guy's not breathing or, or things like that, that's pretty catastrophic. Um, when CPR is not being a responsive um, process for, you know, sports medic, um, what, what goes through the process and, and what, what's the, the protocol that has to take has to be taken next? Well, again, having a, the CPR helps keep the brain perfused, helps perfusion, perfusion go through the heart, but um, it's not necessarily something that's going to trigger the heart to start functioning again you do sometimes require medications sometimes you require that electrical shock from an aed so it's very important if there was an aed available right away that's while you may start cpr until the aed is there that aed the second it's available goes on the patient and you shock them to see if you can restart you know jumpstart their heart essentially and get them going very charming just charming steps there there as well um i, I want to ask you about your your passion when it comes to impact and lies what, what does that come across obviously you know that you deal with regular people on a daily basis you've got your patients you've got um athletes that you do as well um from you know plastic surgeries to implants to things of that nature w where does that passion um stem from so I'd say in the beginning, I just wanted to help people and doing what I do. Um, it's on multiple different levels. If it's, I do trauma, I deal with trauma and that could be anything from athletes to children to adults where they get hurt and they need care to restore them to their best possible, uh, condition after that injury beyond that though we also have patients that have congenital issues things that they're born with um and of course there's the cosmetic end overall after doing plastics for over 20 years i look at the whole patient for me it's not just one thing i think that overall health is important i 
I think it's important also for a patient to be responsible for their own outcome. It's not just what we do. It's what you put into it yourself. So even with the advent of devices to help boost performance, and I have quite a few in the office, mm-hmm. um, that person still has to put in themselves. The mm-hmm. device isn't a replacement for exercise. Oh, The device is something that will boost what they do on their own. And I could give a personal experience and I could give a professional experience. I'd like to hear this. What's a a personal experience on that? So personal experience would be I was a I was in a bad car accident uh, over a decade ago and in a rollover and had gone through about three years of physical therapy, back pain, um, was hunched over, couldn't stand up straight ended up going through physical therapy for three years, ended up with three epidurals. Um, It was not a fun course. Oh, and throw in the weekly massages for an hour and a half just to keep my back out of spasm. I was still relatively active um, where I could be. And uh, actually, I can remember now, it was August of 2019, my back went into full spasm. And I tried putting a TENS device on. I went back to physical therapy, was doing all of this back and forth, doing all the exercises, but my back spasm just wouldn't release. And I was about to go get um, another epidural to help me through it, to hopefully break the cycle. And company had brought in a device to my office called MSculpt. It's made by BTL. And... You know, they put out their little ads of showing men and women with these six packs. And I'm looking at them going, look, I'm 20 pounds overweight. I'm not getting a six pack from your, from your device. I said, no, no, just, just try it. So I did it. And 30 minutes later, 50% of my pain was gone. And I was standing up straight where I was walking in hunched over, not able to straighten out for months. And I looked at the reps and I said, you know, they said, how'd it go? I said, well, this is what I'm feeling. I said, yup. I said, what do you mean, yup? They said, it's strengthening your core. That what you did on your abs is making your stomach muscles stronger and it's relieving the pressure off your back. Wow. So I said, yeah, but it, it might just be a post-workout high. Like, what are you talking? Yeah, I feel great now. How am I going to feel tomorrow morning? And I said, you'll see. I said, well, you know, at that time with that device, it was a six treatment course. I said, well, bring it back next week. Let's see what it does. They brought it back the following week. I did another treatment. My back pain was gone. Wow. And I ended up purchasing the device from my office the following week. It's, it's something that I learned totally new in my practice. Um, I had a... You know, for me, in terms of keeping, I've now been essentially back pain free for three years. Don't look at it as a weight loss device. It was core strengthening. So doing abs and glutes with it once approximately every three months, no further massages, no physical therapy. I'm able to do a better workout now than I could before. I wasn't 
part of the problem was that I couldn't push myself to the point that I needed to, but the device did. And it made me stronger so that I could then do those things on my own. That's impressive. Go ahead, Mike. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, (laughs) uh, Hearing that's pretty dope, Uh, Doc. I'm not going to lie. Dr. Daniels. You, you you talked about you talked about your journey and what what inspired you to want to to take this career path and things of that nature. What what would you say has been the most telling part about your journey um, becoming a doctor? Most telling or what's the what's the better word for telling? I would, I would say the most hmm, define I guess defining moment in your career. I mean, defining moment in my career. It's to be a plastic surgeon isn't just a, it's not like you go to medical school and you come out and even though at this time, I believe you actually can go straight from medical school into a plastic surgery residency, but plastics itself involves knowledge from all the various specialties. We work with neurosurgeons, we work with oral maxillofacial surgeons, we work with actually as part of my training was to do general surgery first. So we're very well-rounded, especially to start. Um, I think that all those experiences combined not only make me a good surgeon, but also make me a great physician. I, I have to look at a patient as a whole. I don't look at just what they come in with, but I look at their health status. Are they diabetics? Or do they have high blood pressure? Are they smoking? I had a, a recent patient come in and that was his issue. Also, if something comes in that's very extreme, for example, I had a, a patient that was mauled by a dog, a seven-year-old Oh wow! at the time. Uh, you can't, you have to keep your composure in front of those parents. Mm-hmm. Because if you get upset in front of the parents, just think how bad the parents will feel. You know? Yeah. So it's, that's what plastics is. Plastics is not just uh, Botox and boobs, <laughs> putting it bluntly. It involves all aspects of the body. And while we subspecialize into what we like, you still are a physician and you have to look at the whole patient. So even when it comes to doing, um, treating the body, I even still treat, I do a lot of uh, skin care and taking care of patients' quality of their skin and their health and being hydrated. And it's not, and maintaining a good diet. Again, what they put into it, what I do for them. Otherwise, I could zap something with a laser, make it go away. But if they don't do something as an example to keep it away, it's going to be back in three months. Who does that help? Nobody in my mind. Mm-hmm. We need to work together. It's a, it's a journey. Wow. Definitely. Very powerful um, stuff where, where, you know, it's 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 actually a blessing to know that you know some of these things that you're enhancing with patients with clientele with with athletes as well that you've had your own experience with that um and you've done 
you've been in the trenches yourself, you've done these procedures, that's that's actually more a, of a telling story than itself on its own. So you being a, a, a survivor um, and also being a product of, of, of what you're doing to impact these lives, um, that's, that's, that's a huge story in itself. And um, we're glad that you had the opportunity to share with that with us today. Thank you. The, um, you know, again, I could have a patient that's really overweight come in and say, I want a tummy tuck. I could do that tummy tuck. But if they don't change their lifestyle, they're not going to maintain that result. Right. 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 So how does that, I, I don't like to do things just to do them. I want to help the patient. So I have patients that will come in and they, they want that tummy tuck and I will even help them seek what they need to, to help bring their weight down on their own via diet and exercise. I'll, I'll guide them where to go. And then once we get to where we need to go and they lose those 20, 30 pounds that they need, I'll do their tummy tuck and give them an amazing result. Wow. That's incredible, incredible stuff there um, that, that, that you've done. And we want to aid you to continue doing some of these neat things to impact lives. Um, quickly, a away from your profession, obviously, this is a sports-dominated um, show. I don't know if you're a, a, a fan yourself, but you know the NFL playoffs is about to kick off. Doctor, do you have any predictions? Do you have anybody that you're um, keeping a close eye on? Do you have... Anybody that you think will represent the Super Bowl or even win the Super Bowl? What's your thoughts on the playoffs that's coming up this weekend? I'm going to keep it short. I want the Giants to go all the way. Talk to him. <laughs> Talk to him, Doc. You have, you have, you have, you actually have another G-Men fan right here. <laughs> yes, indeed. Are you are you from the uh, the tri-state area, Doc? Yeah, I'm from I'm from I'm in Summit, New Jersey. Oh so, wow! Okay, yeah, yeah. I live, I'm, I'm out here in Orange, in Orange. Oh, yep. And I grew up in Milburn, so okay. I've been in Jersey, short of my, you know, short of my uh, surgical training in New York. I've been in Jersey my whole life. Oh, so. nice. Wow, well, well, we'll see what they do. I, I think they've got a, I think they've got a matchup that they can win against the Vikings this weekend. Absolutely, absolutely. Take, we got a good shot this week, though. We got a rematch. They can take the Vikings. Yes, we can. Yeah, they, they, they've, they've got some flaws. Yeah, they, they, I, I think you guys have a chance. Yeah, definitely, definitely there for sure. Well, this is the time, Doc, that um, we love to do with all of our guests. Um, this is a game that we typically like to play to some of our debut guests that come on our show. Um, just to kind of get away from the typical, you know, uh, questionnaires when we interrogate with um, questions on the interviews, we would like to get into the interpersonal relation with you outside of just, you know, your profession, your hobbies, your interests and stuff like that. So it's a quick game. It goes like this. It's a scenario type game where we ask you questions or we say, do you pick this or you pick that? Very simple. Mike, I'm gonna let you take it away. Dr. Daniels, uh, on, a, on a regular chill day, on your off day, would you rather go to a basketball game or a football game, preferably? Basketball game. Okay. So we've got a New Jersey Nets fan, I'm assuming, right? Growing up in Jersey? Actually, I'm more a fan of the Knicks. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. He's with the Mecca. That's okay. All right. That's not a problem. Uh, I've got a question here, uh, Dr. 
Um, this or that, if you could be a GM of any franchise, any American franchise, what would that franchise be? Uh, have to go with the Yankees. Mm. Have to go with the Yankees. The Yankees. Yeah. You can't beat that, right? Can't beat that. No. Yankees. Especially, I mean, it's the Yankees. <laughs> exactly. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, to piggyback off that question, uh, but but to, but to add, a, add add a different flair to it, if you were a GM of a team, but you had to choose one of these two players in their prime, who would you choose uh, based on what you know now, Lawrence Taylor or Tom Brady? Oh, yeah, wow. I'd still have to go Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah, Tom okay. Brady. Really? Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's, that's he tough. held on. He held on to it. For a long, and you said in his prime. Yeah, I was, I was seeing if I can get some Giants bias out of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's 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 a, here's a question here. Um, uh, better in their prime, Walt Fraser or Bernard King? Bernard King. Yeah, I like that one. Mm. I'm not mad at that. Bernard King, that's tough. Yeah, he lit up the garden for sure. He really lit up the garden. I got. Did uh, this, this, this or that? Um, the 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 typical goat debate now, as far as NBA is concerned, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Michael Jordan. Okay. Wow. Why you uh, say that, Doc? Cause it's Mike again. Same. He's 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 quintess a quintessential part of basketball. I mean. He didn't do it for the show. Mm. LeBron James, I just, I, it's too, he's too political for me. Let me, can I ask you something real quick, Doc? I know sure. we're playing again. Do you feel like, do you feel like Kobe gets disrespected in this conversation? Uh, you know, with Kobe, Kobe even held a place in my heart. So, No. I think he does get disres or was getting disrespected. I don't now. It's not as much, mm. you know. Definitely, it's funny. You you ask a lot of people. They say the same thing. Things, doc. They say that Michael was just immortal. Like you know, you hear from the greats talk about him. It's it's just the things that they had to say about him. It was just just paying homage to that respect is it's second to none. It, it's it he he pushed himself. Mm -hmm. He he. And he didn't do it for. He didn't do it for others. He did it for himself, and uh, you have to give him credit where credits do. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. Final question here. Final question here, Doc. Um, a retirement home. Retirement home here. Would you rather have it built near a hill, or beachside? Or what? I'm sorry, you cut out. Uh, near a hill or beachside. Hmm. I, I'd have to go beachside. Yeah, hmm. I can't. I can't debate you with you on that. That that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love the sound. I love the water. Yeah, I, I love to hear the water. So, beachside. No doubt about that. Plus, nobody wants to be on altitude having a house too. So, that's another thing. But. Uh, aside from that, Doctor, it's been a pleasure. Folks, if you want to be able to connect with Dr. Daniels, um, the information of his LinkedIn, 
and also um, where his uh, facility practice is will be on the description box below. But on behalf of myself and Michael Gray, it was a pleasure to have you on, on the show, Doctor. Thank you. Definitely have to have you back. Obviously, you know, the timing of this with DeMar Hamlin's uh, a collapse kind of was very fitting for this episode, but uh, we got to be able to have you as a return. Uh, I would love to join you guys again. It was, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on, guys. No doubt, man. No doubt at all. That wraps up our second segment here. But when we, when we come back, we'll go ahead and shift gears to the NBA and wrap things up with Michael's closing arguments. The Subby Podcast Radio Show live and streaming here on WNSC Radio. We are back here on the show here. Our third segment, Mike, um, the NBA, lots of things been smoking, been going on. No team is hotter than your Brooklyn Nets that you follow. <laughs> Winners of 14 of their last 16. Obviously, the biggest concern right now is Kevin Durant with his sprain MCL. There's no um, date as to when his return is or his timetable is likely. But, of course, the Nets, they haven't missed a beat. Kyrie Irving. Amidst of all of the contract negotiations, all of the noise that's been going internal with the Nets organization and also surrounding him in the NBA, he's been balling out of his mind. Game winners, uh, a big shot on Friday night against the Pelicans in New Orleans. Uh, he, he's been playing dynamite at a all-star level that he is. The Nets, Mike. They're, 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 they're rounding in the form at the right time, Mike. This is a team that was at 10th place at the beginning of December. They find themselves in second. Uh, they, they've been rounding in the form, and I know that sounds music to your ears. Yeah, no, they, they definitely have. Eight winners of 18 of the last 20, the best stretch that they've ever had in franchise history. Uh, it's been special for this Nets, man. Jock Vaughn really has these guys playing well. The KD injury is tough because it's, an, it's once again an un, un, unforeseen situation where it's out of his control. It's just a... A wacky type play that just you know, you know, KD kind of found himself into just staying flat footed, um, in, in one spot under the rim. So now uh, and Jimmy Butler caught him, but um, uh, optimistic about the situation at hand. The, the 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 difference between this this time Kevin Durant getting getting hurt around this time of year versus previous years is the, is is very similar to the twenty 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 one season when it happened. Uh, that was the biggest difference between this year and last year was that Kyrie Irving was actually playing on the team and the team was actually gelling before he got hurt. The team wasn't in disarray and still being led by Steve Nash before he got hurt. This is a team with Jacques Vaughn has been making necessary adjustments all season long. And you have a team that's been starting to gel and get their players back together as time is going on as well. So I believe this team is much better constructed to handle KD sitting out for three, three and a half weeks or so um, on end and um, right right now than they were last year. And and, and it's crazy how the university, universe works, Savvy. Kyrie Irving, in the middle of a contract season, in the middle of an opportunity, has an opportunity to prove how good he really is, and that he can lead this ball club to win, lead this ball club to wins while KD is out during this small stretch period of time, and uh, really show why he, um, why he deserves that that contract from the Brooklyn Nets. This is a perfect opportunity for Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets to stay afloat 
while KD is here, but really for Kyrie and those others to get rhythm, um, like T.J. Warren, Seth Curry, Joe Harris, um, Cam Thomas coming off the bench. I'm sure he's going to get a lot more minutes during this time. Edmund Sumner, guys like that to really get minutes and step up and show uh, and get a little bit of a rhythm before they hit that last stretch before the playoffs. Absolutely. Absolutely. That for sure, Mike. And what I've seen so far with this team and Jacques Vaughn is last year in, in the first round against Boston, the, 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 the Celtics dared Kevin Durant to be a passer. They, they dared Kyrie Irving to be a passer, and they weren't willing to do that. Now, you see with this team, they're willing to make the extra pass, whether it's the Ben Simmons slashing to the rim, whether it's Royce O'Neal for tiny oh, yeah. shots, whether it's for Watanabe or Joe Harris <laughs> off the bench. Yep. That, that's the biggest improvement that I've witnessed in the Nets. They're willing passers. Their best players are now willing passers, um, and that could bode well for them come into the postseason. They got a test on Thursday. Uh, the, the, the Green Goblin is coming. Yep. Brooklyn. Uh, yep. Celtics are coming into town. They're not in, at full strength, but that will be a good measuring stick matchup to see how this Nets team has matured under Jacques and you And remember the last time they played each other, uh, uh, Sebi, yes, yes, the Boston Celtics went in there and beat them 103-92. to However, one thing I was impressed with from the Brooklyn Nets takeaway from that game is that defensively, they played Boston probably as good defensively as I've seen any team play them this year in that game. And that was over 20 games ago. So that, that was about 20 games ago. So imagine uh, the, the pressure, the, the, the confidence level that they feel now. And where I think they messed up in that game, Sebi, the Nets did. KD and Kyrie uh, were in a situation where they were doing too much, playing too much ISO early on. And, and it messed up the rhythm of the team. And others weren't able to get in the rhythm as the game went on. And it messed up their shots. I believe if they stick to what they know and they stick to what's gotten them to this point, the next time they play each other when they're fully healthy, I do believe it puts them in a better position. Always be, be, because, and, and because during that time, I, I believe psychologically, Boston has a bit of an advantage over them right now uh, because of that 4-0 sweep. And I believe they got to them in that game. However, so that's that's an uphill battle that the that the Nets are going to have to climb every time that they play Boston because that sweep is always going to be in the back of their mind uh, from their side, also for Boston's side as well. So it's a psychological matchup, as, also along with what's on the court with the, with these with these two teams. No doubt, no doubt about that. Lots of other stuff that's been going on in the NBA. Anything that's caught your attention? Oh, oh yeah, um, the 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 Cleveland Cavaliers. I, obviously, I don't I don't believe we had a show. Since we talked about the Devin Booker situation, oh, not the Devin Booker, excuse me, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell scoring seventy-one points. Yeah, I mean, old man, he went Sebi, off. Did you watch it? Sebi, did you watch it live? I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, Mike. Oh, I it was didn't. a masterclass. It was special to watch. I mean, they were there. It, it was one of those special performances because when I look at all the players in history that have scored seventy, his was very impressive compared to a lot of others uh, because they needed all seventy. They were down twenty points at one point in this game. His, he literally willed this team to victory, brought them back in a similar fashion where Luka Doncic uh, did against the New York Knicks a couple weeks ago. So it, the, that performance from him was special. I love what I love what I've seen from him. Um, you know, the, the, Cavs, the Cavs look pretty good so far. They're on the West Coast trip right now. They beat the Suns. The Warriors are a team I'm looking at because they've won they've won some games on their six-game homestand. Look pretty well. The Clippers look pretty look like they're struggling right now. They're on a six-game losing streak. Um, uh, they haven't, they haven't, they've been struggling on closing games, hit a little rough patch. I'm not all too worried about them just yet. I want to see more, uh, moving forward. The New Orleans Pelicans continue to look like one of those top teams in the league. 
like not just in their conference, but in the league as well because of how they're playing and things of that sort. I'll say this, Sebi. I believe we have to give a little bit of credit to the Lakers. I agree. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I believe Darwin Ham has, has, has turned the switch with this team. I believe Darwin Ham is really helping out a lot. With the absence of Anthony Davis, he's, he's, he's put some rotations on the court that make sense together. He's gotten the best out of some players. I like what I've seen from Thomas Bryant. Uh, LeBron James is LeBron James. He's going to do what he do. Uh, but Thomas Bryant, to me, has played well. Um, guys like that, I, I just like I like what I've seen from this team um, so far. Russell Westbrook off the bench, he looks like he could be a six-man-of-the-year candidate, um, looking play, look like he's playing very well. This Lakers team, to me, um, and, and with Anthony Davis potentially coming back this week, is going to be special. And um, I'm also looking forward to Steph Curry's return tonight against the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting there. And also yep. Steph Curry maybe game time for that as well. The Warriors, that'd be a welcome sight for the Warriors there as well. Team that's caught uh, caught me, uh, caught my eye and my attention, my quickly before we go to your uh, closing arguments, is the Denver Nuggets, man. And yes, sir. It's, it's crazy to think that this guy, Nikola Jokic, are <laughs> back-to-back MVPs. And you know what's crazy? This might be his better year. <laughs> the guy's won it twice already. He, he probably shouldn't have won it last year. He still got it. And then he might be playing even better this year. No guy has gone three straight back to back to back since Larry Bird did it in 84 to 86. Nikola Jokic might be the first one, man. He's got the Denver Nuggets as the top seed in the West. They've got the second rank offense in the NBA behind Boston. Um, they, 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 They're second in the NBA in three-point shooting. He's uh, – Mike, this guy is giving you 25, 14, and 9. And you know what's crazy? For a guy, what's making it so special about Jokic, Mike, is Denver plays in altitude. Denver has such a home court advantage that it really tests your fitness. That guy who's seven feet, who's uh, 285, he can still get up and down on the court. His conditioning, Mike, is above everything that he does with passing, with bullying people down low and scoring with being able to be a great offensive rebounder, great rebounder. The thing that impresses me the most, Mike, is they play in altitude. A guy in that shape, that big, 285, he can get up and down the court, Mike, and he and, and sometimes he's sprinting and leading and leading the break. That, that That's the most impressive thing to me about this guy. Michael Porter Jr. is taking a step. I, I Once Jamal Murray, Mike, gets back to – I don't. I don't want to say bubble level Jamal Murray because if that happens, then Denver becomes a totally different team. But it, once he flips that switch to get back to All Star level Jamal Murray, this team to me may separate itself in the West. They, they they're that good, and it's because of fifteen and his conditioning and his fitness, Mike. I think that is the biggest thing to me that goes without questioning and notice. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, man. The Denver Nuggets, we once again they do it again. They just show it. They showed it that depth. And I'm glad you brought up Joker's conditioning because I remember back in 2019, that was the biggest topic of conversation when it comes to Nikola Jokic. A lot of people were saying that he could take that next step if he gets himself in better shape running up and down the court. And what happened in the bubble? That five-month layoff, he came back a whole different person, and he came back in shape, and that's when he had that playoff run to the Western Conference Finals, looking how he did. And ever since then, he's kept himself at that level of, of, of peak physical shape. 
and he's he's been locked in, man. It's what what you're seeing this year is the culmination of a guy that's just he's just light years above IQ wise. He's 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 dominating on straight IQ. I mean, it's not physical nature. I mean, yes, he's bigger than most people, most of the most players, but it's not it's not athleticism. It's not anything of that sort. It's just pure IQ and understanding of the situation and the moment of the game. And man, it's just it's special to watch, man, because you, you love to see good basketball. Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets are good basketball, so yeah, it's no surprise they're number one in, in the in the West. They're going to be a tough out, especially with Jamal Murray comes back looking like how I expect him to look this year. He's having the same regular season I'm expecting him to have. Bones Highland playing well. Aaron Gordon, KCP, the Bruce Brown. From a total team perspective, they have different guys who are able to fill in different roles on that squad, and it's it's coming to fruition for them right now. They're going to be one of the toughest outs in the West, no outside of the Warriors. Absolutely. No doubt about that. Mike, go ahead. Take it away. My closing arguments are about Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. Yeah. I'm going to go there, uh, Sebi. It has, because to be, it has to be brought up, Mike. It, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. I'm going to go there because I, 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 might surprise, I might even surprise you with my take. Because to me, you know, throughout the week, it was a little, I was interested to see how this thing was going to play out because over the last couple of weeks, we've noticed obvious friction between Skip and Shannon. Now, for those that don't know, Skip, Shannon Sharp came on in 2016, and he's been with Skip ever since. And to me, this is not the first time that you've seen Skip Bayless not only disrespect Shannon Sharp, but this is not this is not the first time you've also heard Skip Bayless come out and be um, terrible with his timing and delivery of certain messages. So a week, um, uh, two weeks ago, Skip Bayless disrespected Shannon Sharp to his face once again, by telling him his Hall of Fame credentials mean nothing and that his three times, three Super Bowl championships mean absolutely nothing when it comes to him uh, um, um, criticizing the play of Tom Brady this season. So we, we got that out the way. Then you have a situation where DeMar Hamlin comes and, and, we, and the situation happens on Monday night against the Cincinnati Bengals. He, he, he obviously gets um, uh, ha, ha, CPR, has, he has to be ha, given CPR on the field. And um, he, his life is on the line, essentially. Uh -huh. So Skip Bayless comes out. His, his previous two tweets before the tweet that went viral were talking about concern for his family. And then you have a situation where he's asking about the game. Now, for a lot of people that don't know, Skip Bayless is an old-school cat that's been covering the league since 1970s, 71 or some, something like that. He's, been, he's seen situations in the past where they've, they've come close to this and they've been like this and the game has kept playing. So he's someone that's not looking at it from this uh, angle that a lot of people were looking at it from. So I, I say that about Skip. But Skip, do I believe he was he was insensitive for the timing? Yes, I do. I do believe Skip was insensitive uh, and with the timing and everything. But 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 I, I just want to put it in perspective for the people out there. Skip Bayless comes from the old school law, and is getting situations like these before. He's seen them continue games after. Um, carting dudes off the field and uh, uh, ferocious injuries and things of that nature. He's seen he's seen those type of things. So I wanted to make that clear on that for everybody wondering about Skip Bayless' moral compass and things of that nature. And just look at the two previous tweets before that and what he said. Also, I want to get, say this about Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless as a whole. If you if a lot of people haven't noticed, ever since this Demar Hamlin situation. The undisputed ratings the, before the before this uh, Demar Hamlin situation, the undisputed ratings were very bad. I mean, very bad. If you want to compare them to the competition, it was not even close. After after seeing everything play out, 
this hit me a couple of days ago, Sebi. I do believe there's a there's a high possibility that Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp use this Demar Hamlin situation to boost undisputed ratings and to get everything back and to get people back on Shannon Sharp's side. You got to remember, said you got to remember, people were Shannon Sharp was not looking good and good in the culture. Uh, Sebi for a while. Ever, ever since the Kyrie situation, when he was bashing him and saying what he was saying and going going with the flow of everybody else in the media, he wasn't getting a lot. He wasn't getting a lot of support from the people for that. He got a lot of pull, pushback, a lot of a lot of drawback from that situation. So I wouldn't be surprised if this was all a ploy from uh, all along to potentially use this as a situation to get people back on Shannon Sharp's good graces and and not only that, boost the ratings of Undisputed and get us back back in the square where we need to be. This right here was a situation that seemed like pure entertainment. None of it seemed genuine. Skip Bayless, we know he's been disrespecting Shannon Sharp for years, and but Shannon Sharp has done re- remotely done nothing about it. There's been multiple times where he's been disrespected and then he just comes back on the next segment, everything is kumbaya. At some point in time, you can't keep coming on to the show and, 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 and confronting somebody and expecting them to change. And then when they don't change and they show you who they truly are, you going you want to get mad and frustrated and throw hissy fits. This is this is this is who Skip Bayless is. Skip Bayless has a history of not not having the best relationships with people um, in this industry. You know this. Yep. You decided to play this game. You decided to play to, to be on Undisputed with Skip Bayless and be on here for the entertainment. You decided to do that. So at the end of the day, I don't feel remorse for Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp is in a situation where he has to eat it. He has to either that or stand or stand up like a man and not take that disrespect. Because for Skip Bayless to, to step Sevy, for Skip Bayless to disrespect Shannon Sharp the way he did, he had to feel comfortable enough to doing it, knowing that he's done it enough previous times and there's been no pushback from him. Right. At some point in time, you have to you have to defend yourself as a man. And I don't believe over these last six years were undisputed. Skip Bayless has done enough. Uh, uh, Shannon Sharp has done enough to defend himself against Skip Bayless because for for it to get to this point, Skip Bayless got comfortable and he got very comfortable with uh, with uh, Shannon Sharp. And not only that, he um, he also he also got very comfortable when they got back on the show together. If you if you want change. You have you have to be the one to demand change, and I don't believe Shannon Sharp has done it enough. And I'm not going to be one of the ones to sit here and uh, and and and, and um, uh, sing, sing his condolences. He put himself in this situation by not standing up for himself like a man, in my opinion. And now he has to pay the piper or do something about it. Mm. He so has to. The, the 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 people's champion has spoken. Michael Gray has spoken about it. I'm gonna just leave it at that. <laughs> I'll just go ahead. And, and leave it at, at, at that. That's all I got to say. I got nothing to say. But that wraps <laughs> up uh, episode eight of our great show. Um, we'll be here next week for our featured episode, featured guests on our show. And again, it's going to be a great weekend. We got NFL playoffs. We've got NBA rounding into form, heading into the all-star break. It's the best time of the year. For myself and Mike, we say so long from now. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and, frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. SebiPodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, The Sebi Podcast is wherever you go.